Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, welcome to Slaying the Sale with Kyle Slaymaker. I am your host, the one and only Kyle Slaymaker, if you have not figured it out by now. Uh, today is one of the very first guest interviews that we are doing with Vicky Verboss. Uh, however, if you ask her, her son will say her last name differently. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. Vicky runs and owns I'm More Financial. Um, and I'll tell you what, Vicky, I'm not going to do too much of a big intro for you because I want to let you introduce yourself. So go right ahead. Thank you, Kyle, for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to uh, continue our conversations as we have in the past couple months. Um, I am the owner of iMore Financial. I'm the managing principal. It's been in business for four years under that name. And I had another company with a partner for about a year and a half before that. I am a financial advising firm. I do all lines of insurance, including home, auto, life, investments, annuities. I'm also a financial coach. Um, I help people get back on budget and get their budget straightened out and get their monies in order. Um, I'm an ex-Navy wife. My name of the company came from, in memory of Robert, my husband was a Naval officer for 29 years. And ironically, five months after he retired, his life was put in front of him and my whole life changed. He passed away. It was 14 years going on 15 now, and I was financially taken care of. And so it's my mission and my passion to do what I do to help other people set their financial future in perspective. That is quite the introduction. Um, Thank you. Turn my mic down just a little bit. There we go. Um, so how did you get started in the financial field? What, what made you make that leap? I think the fact that I was taken care of, plus it goes back to my father and he sold insurance policies back in the fifties when I was born into the sixties. And he, um, it's been in my blood. My family does it. My son does it. We all did it. Beautiful. What's, um, what's your favorite part about it? Just making sure that people were protected, taken care of, solving their problems with the finances, people don't like to talk about money. It's a, it's a bad subject to talk about at times, but the reality is if you plan early, then you're, you know, when you hit your fifties and close to retirement, your monies will be pretty safe and you'll have a good retirement. Always good to have a good retirement. What is one of the things you are the least thrilled about when it comes to the financial industry? could be anything. I won't, I won't hold anything against you. Now, the changes that are going on uh, since COVID, premiums are going up, you know, just the whole board across it has changed. It's just, it's changed. So when you say it changed, um, I mean, obviously you and I have had this conversation offline right. um, where, you know, one of your struggles that you were facing is, you know, how difficult it has been, like you said, to just make almost anything happen in your industry, at least on the insurance side of things, um, you know, during COVID. Now, I, I would imagine, and I believe you would probably agree that this is something that a lot of people have experienced, is it not? Correct. Okay. Um, 
have you found any workarounds yet? Have you, have you been able to try to maybe think outside of the box a little bit and come up with something new to try? Um, as far as the life insurance side of it, Kyle, no, because we're under regulations. Um, you know, the rules are set. Um, they're being a little more, the word we use is harsh with underwriting. It's taking longer for policies to get in, but they do get done. Um, I think that a lot of that has to do with COVID in, in general. Um, they're checking more things, I think, closely than they did with underwriting maybe pre-COVID. But uh, you know, some of the state regulations and stuff and, and COVID has just taken a, a big change in our industry. On the annuity side, um, people just with inflation, um, they, they have the money and I think they're afraid of changing their policies and, and doing something new. But I've, you know, I've, I've done business with annuities and life insurance in the past couple months and it's getting better as far as that goes. But it just is taking longer for those transactions to be put into force. I can imagine. What is one of your favorite memories or favorite, maybe, maybe not even memories, but favorite moments of, uh, of being in your field since you opened Dymore? Uh, since I opened Dymore, I've had a, a client that husband passed away and I had to sit with her and kind of pull the information out of her. She didn't have to work. She still doesn't have to work. Um, she'll be, she's around late fifties and she, um, didn't want to, how do I say it? She didn't want to open up and tell me what she needed. And so her husband took care of the 401k and he has a pension, but because she's too young to take the pension, then the 401k came into place. So we needed to create an income for her per se. And we had to do a fact finding sheet about a financial financial situation. And so doing that, she was like, why do I need to do this? And why do I need to tell you that? And I had to figure out a monthly income for her until she could pull his, his uh, pension when she turned 65. Long story short, she had to um, really get dig down deep with her finances. So we figured out what she needed. And once that was done and I saw the, the look on her face being happy that everything was finally completed after four months of, of hard work and digging deep, um, those, those clients are the ones that really touch my heart. The ones that are like, oh my gosh, I can relax. I have an income coming in. And we did an immediate annuity for her with a certain amount of month for 10 months. And then we transitioned into the next phase. So that was probably my, um, most memorable experience with, with a, a client. Um, I have many memorable experiences. Just each one has a different story. Fantastic. Fantastic. How many people would you say you've helped over the years? Gosh, in the past four years, and COVID was one of those years, probably 40 to 50. And that includes wow, all my and homeowners insurance. That's, that's definitely a, a healthy client base. That's fantastic. Do you, uh, I mean, how, how long do you see yourself continuing in the financial field? I mean, given the fact that there's hardships, have you ever had any thoughts of doing something else or are you just fully committed, ready to go? I'm fully committed, ready to go, and I'm 63, and I'm not ready to retire anytime soon. There we go. What's what's the age-old adage? Do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, right? Or if you stop having fun, it's time to get out, as they stay in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Vicky brought up, uh, you know, obviously, for those of you that have not listened to my introduction episode, um, I was in the Navy for 
four years active, two years reserves. Um, Operations Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom stationed on the USS Cape St. George. Uh, stationed out of San Diego, but I'm sure you'll hear plenty of Navy stories as time goes on because I'm sure to have some of my old Navy buddies on, especially those that are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And one of my older podcasts, one of my highest rated episodes was one of um, a buddy I served with in South Carolina, and he's now on their county council. He's a really, really big time entrepreneur down there, and we just we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It's cool. There's some good old Navy stories that people that didn't experience it wouldn't understand. It's that's very accurate. And it's interesting talking to somebody who is a, a Navy spouse, right? Because it's, it goes off and um, overlooked, right? And it I mean, is. you know, you can talk about the ombudsman and, and stuff like that, that, you know, the Navy has in place for spouses, but um, it's such an interesting dynamic and it's, it's awesome to hear that you have that same aspect and that same attitude that I do. Right. It's there. The stories are a lot of fun and they're really funny, but they're especially fun and funny unless if you've actually lived it and experienced it, like you and your, your late husband have. So where where all of you lived? Uh, Oh, me too. Oh, I loved it. Um, As long as the days were the same as they were 29 years, but he's, you know, it's been 14 years since he would have been retired. Um, we lived in Seattle. We lived in Monterey, California. We lived in New Orleans. We lived in Groton, Connecticut, Virginia Beach, Washington, D.C. twice. Virginia Beach was twice. Um, Florida. North Carolina was the final resting place when we retired. <sighs> you know, I, I often sit here and I think to myself, would I have traveled as much as I had um, if I wasn't in the Navy now, born and raised in Lancaster. Um, you know, my father's an entrepreneur. He's a owner operator, truck driver. Um, I, I don't, th- I mean, I, I, I know for a fact, the answer would be a resounding. No, I, I would not have seen maybe even one sixteenth of the places that I have, um, you know, station wise, we started in Virginia beach and good old Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Um, then they home port. I'll never forget. It was my first like real Navy experience where I asked to be stationed in Virginia so I could be home with my, my young daughter almost every weekend up here in Lancaster. And I would, I'd make that four hour drive all the time. Right. Sometimes it was on caffeine pills and no dose, but what can you do? Um, right. And after about like, I want to say like four or five months, I got back to the ship and that Monday morning, the captain held an all hands call and said, all right, Cape, uh, we're home port shifting you to San Diego, California. We're going to leave in about a month. I'm like, whoa, this sucks. I'm like, <laughs> I asked to be an East Coast sailor. Now it's like I'd be home with my kid. Now they're moving me to San Diego. Um, and and I was like, well, obviously I don't have a choice. And on the way to San Diego, we went from Virginia down to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. down to we were supposed to hit Belize, but we had to cancel the port visit. Um, went through the Panama Canal, which was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be incredible. This is really cool. Not everybody gets to do this. Uh, if anybody's actually gone through the Panama Canal, it sucks. It is the most boring. I, I think it took us like 18 hours to get through the whole thing. And we had to be on watch that whole time. Then um, we stopped in, in Panama. And then we went to Cabo San Lucas, which I don't think they will ever 
ever stop a Navy ship in Cabo San Lucas after we were there. Probably not. Um, no, probably not. I mean, it was it was rough. It, <laughs> that poor port. I mean, I I know like shore patrol was busy. Um, then we got to San Diego, and we pulled in, and I looked around, and I was like, I think I'm going to really enjoy this place. And to this day, San Diego is probably my favorite place in the world. It, it's just the the greatest place I've ever lived. One of the greatest I've ever visited. I would um, I would second that. Virginia Beach is like my second home. Again, I was born and raised in this area, you know, Mechanicsburg, Camp Hillary, Pennsylvania. But I went back to Virginia Beach at Thanksgiving, and that was the first time in 20 years that I had been back since 2000 when my son graduated high school. Because from there we left, and my son went to college, and we went off and did our thing as as the rest of his years to progress. Um, when 9/11 happened, we were in DC for 9/11. He was supposed to be in the Pentagon. The admiral kept him out for personnel training, and that was his second tour with this admiral. No, that was his first tour with this admiral. His second tour with the admiral, same admiral, is who he retired with. And the guy told him when he put his papers in in 2000, he said, "You're not retiring." Um, and 9-11 happened and the guys that were in with a meeting that Bob was supposed to be at were crawled to safety with a security guard and a flashlight out of that West Wing that was bombed. I think it was the West Wing, West Wing, whatever, part of the Pentagon. And then we went up to see it the next day and you could just visualize the plane hitting the Pentagon. Like I could just stand there and visualize this plane flying into it. It was pretty scary. Yeah, it's, it's so, it's such a, a surreal moment in history. Mm -hmm. um, now, you said you're in your in your early 60s and I'm in my mid 30s. I just turned 35. Um, let's see, March 1st, like four days ago on the 24th, 25th. Or yeah, no, four or five days ago. Happy Thank belated you. birthday Thank to you, you. Becky. Well, I appreciate well. that. Um, but I I thought about it and I I went I was down at the Pentagon too. I mean, obviously I was uh -huh. I was a freshman in high school. Um, we were down to visit my aunt who was, you know, she worked on Capitol Hill. She was awesome. Um, and you know, that the image of the debris cleanup and where the plane hit and everything, it's, it's seared into my memory. Like it is everybody else's, especially those that went and actually saw the, the destruction and devastation. Um, and my daughter, my teenager, she asked me when, when I was driving her somewhere the other night, she was like, well, what do you think about this Russia and Ukraine stuff? And it it dawned on me that she like we are now in an entire generation that wasn't around for that exactly and it's it was such a sobering moment like one like wow time really is marching on but it's also like i don't, I don't know I, I don't even know how to put it into words it's just a surreal feeling that we, we all remember where we were but and that's that's when anthrax was big too because i worked for a yeah. company and I was all suited up for the anthrax thing, closed in the mailroom. And one of my bosses came to me and said, do you understand that a plane just hit the World Trade Center? And I said, it wasn't an accident. I mean, it, was an ac it wasn't an accident, it was planned. And she looked at me and stuff that we obviously can't talk about as a military wife and, and what Bob and I spoke about back then, something was going to happen big. And I said, the words I said were something totally different. She she looked at me and she said, I don't believe you. Second one hit. And again, she knocked on the door and she had a TV and she said, I think you should come and see this. 
I said, okay. So I walked over to her office, what was looking at the TV. I mean, it's, it's like it was yesterday. And she said, I said, now, do you believe me that it wasn't an accident? And when the one hit the Pentagon, then she believed me. I third time's a charm, Linda, you're going to believe me now type thing, you know, but again, it's, it's an incredible, it's a truly incredible moment in history. And obviously right now, Leave like I said, this is what happens when we don't, you know, really plan for the podcast. Now we're going on 9-11 and Russia and Ukraine on a business podcast. Um, but you know, that's what makes it fun. It's informal. We're just having fun. We're just shooting the shit. Um I was I was a freshman in high school. I was in Mr. Book's class. Uh, and then I was in a class after that when the second plane hit. Okay. Um and then, you know, it was, it, we, we watched it live. We were watching the news. Nobody could believe what happened. And then we watched it live when the second plane hit. And it was so interesting just to see how much of a life-shaping moment that was for me. And I, and I didn't even know it. I, I had no idea back then. I had none. I, I didn't know at all. Um, and I was talking to my, my teenager and, and we were having this exact conversation. And... I said, you know, if you think of something you know, really big that happened in the world that that you know really shaped your life and your future, I said that's what 9/11 was for, you know, our generation. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, she comp- she mentioned COVID, and I thought about it. My giant dog is underneath me. I'm sure the mic's picking that up. Um, the the COVID pandemic was kind of that for her. Yes. And. it's a way that I didn't even look at it. I I looked at COVID, you know, from, you know, I I knew it changed the business landscape forever. I I knew it did. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it was hard for me to take a step back and realize the magnitude of how much COVID just changed the world and and the generation that are as our kids and our grandkids. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it really makes you wonder, you know, where we are going to be in 10 years, 15 years. It's scary because my grandson's 10, you have a teenager, then you have two little ones that are, you have two other little ones, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So you have those guys, but I look at my grandson and you just want to shelter them and you, and you can't, you know, you have to let them live the way the world's going to happen. And Grayson was here this weekend with me and he said, grandma, why do they have to do this? And I'm like, buddy, I can't answer that question. You know, um, I, I, I have no clue, but they see it and they hear about it. And he knew that his grandfather, he didn't know his, his, my, my husband, he didn't know his grandfather, um, unfortunately, but he knew that his grandfather served in the Navy and my daughter-in-law's father served over 20 years in the Air Force. So Grayson has a military family type background, but these, these kids just, they're invincible. They think they're invincible and, and that they're, you know, even at the age of 10, they still don't have a care in the world. You know, they're still vulnerable and, and out there and just living life and enjoying whatever phase of their years they're in. Blissfully ignorant. Perfect. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so interesting, like, because I just, you know, I, I look back and like I said, even, you know, leading up to September 10th, you know, 2001, um, where everything everything was normal everything just went around um you know you had no idea that the next day the next morning literally the entire world was going to change 
and and it's it's wow i i never had any imagined that our podcast would go deep that quick that fast so good job vicky i mean well, i'm impressed with you thanks kyle i'm impressed with you too <laughs> yeah, yeah, I also- it's just I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to even figure out how we can pull this back to business. I feel like we're just, we're, we're gelling so good right now. Um, the other thing that you think about is like the, the shootings in all the schools that have happened over the years. You know, it's, it's again, you want to shelter those young generations and we can't, you know, you have to let them, you have to let them go, move, live. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, and maybe this is a question that I have just for my own, I guess, potentially morbid curiosity. But when you see tragedies like that occur, we already touched on you saying about how COVID just completely changed the game for the insurance and underwriting exactly. and stuff like that. Um, I mean, have you seen any other stuff, maybe even during COVID, that also has had an impact? I think the closing of, you know, I live in Mechanicsburg and then you've got Camp Hill and Harrisburg and just the closing of, the doors of the small businesses, like the mom and pop shops and just the single, just little restaurants and and even bigger businesses. The closing of those just breaks my heart because those people lost so much money. There were some that opened maybe a year before COVID that shut down, you know, that I'm aware of and people trying to go out and be entrepreneurs and thank God I was already in that. And thinking back, I mean, now I can go to the marketing strategy of it because during COVID, I had to sit. I couldn't do any business. And I sat and rethought all the marketing strategies that I was working on. And I changed everything. Like, I just totally did a flip. So that was, you know, COVID in some ways was a positive thing for people that were already in business that could look at things and say, how can I shift and make this a positive thing for my business and myself? to continue to bring income in when COVID is over and nobody expected it, I don't think to go on as long as it did and as bad as it was. But you think about things because you have the time to to think about it, all businesses were closed. Um, Even in my world, a lot of people are working, my marketing alliance that I'm connected with out in Michigan, um, a lot of those people are still working from home and they're taking on more responsibilities because they lost employees. So now some of the people that, you know, now there's more case management stuff being put on top of these employees, you know, and you see it, you see it everywhere. See, that's, it's, that's a really interesting point because, um, you know, obviously it's very easy. This isn't even just with COVID. It's very easy to just focus on the negatives. Um, but I, when I started the Slaymaker method, um, and I started doing the coaching and the consulting. It was, I, I want to say February 22nd, 2020. Because um, 19 yeah. is the year my brother passed. So it wouldn't have been that year. Um, I, it was, I mean, within weeks of COVID. Because COVID, I, I believe we started seeing it in March of that year. March, right. Um, and, I, I mean, again, you know. I didn't know COVID was coming. I didn't see it coming. You, I, it wasn't long after I started, you started hearing little snippets getting released of, of an outbreak here, an outbreak there. And I was like, man, that, this is crazy. And then they shut everything down. I, I mean, and you remember the rhetoric, yes. right? That people were, I mean, people were going nuts. 
I remember going to the grocery store and people were talking about they're going to institute martial law. And I was like, okay, every time I hear martial law in the U.S., I'm just like, eh, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's probably not going to happen. Right. Um, but then then I heard people talking about the National Guard was going to be activated to enforce curfews. And I was like, what is going on? Um, you know, so after that, that initial panic, I sat there and I was like, is this going to kill my, my new business that I started? Um, and it, within, within minutes, it was like every, I started hearing about remote working, picking up, right. As soon as shutdown started, oh, people are gonna have to work from home. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm like, no, this is going to be really, really good for my business. This is going to be really good for a lot of people. Right. And, and it's interesting because you see the, so many different mindsets of, of the culture that makes up the United States and the world. Um, you had the employers who were like, Oh my God, everybody's quitting. This is, this is horrible. Now the opportunity there is if everybody's quitting, maybe there's a reason, maybe there's a reason that everybody's quitting. And that reason is both internal and external from an internal standpoint, you know, these people have these business owners have opportunities to really rebuild their processes, make sure they're hiring the exact right people. I know I'm sure I'm going to catch some shit for it because it's incredibly hard to hire right now, especially the right people. Right. Um, but you had the great resignation because people were just realizing that they can work from home. And if they could do their nine to five from home, why can't they start their own thing? Why can't they take their side hustle and make it their nine to five? Plus um, they're saving money. Oh, oh, absolutely. They can. I, I read, I read articles of, um, people that are like basically taking two job, two full-time jobs because they realize they can do twice the work when they're sitting at home. Right. And they're, they doubled their salary. It's, it's genius. So, I mean, at least, at least there's that that came out of it. And obviously I'm a big supporter of people doing their own thing and starting side hustles and all that other stuff. So it's, it's an interesting, interesting dynamic, you know, the, the silver lining. You know, I, and I'm not going to get into the PPPs and all that stuff, but you know, that was, that was hard for a lot of people. I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs and we all had trouble with that. Um, and again, the regulations that were put on it for the small businesses were tough. And, you know, things, things come out of it. I feel bad for, again, the people that have to double up um, that the manager, I know the manager of a local fast food restaurant here, I met him years ago. And so he's doing everything under the sun from cashier to food prep, and he owns the restaurant. You know, he manages this restaurant and he's got to do everything because he doesn't have the people to do it. And then I think some of the people didn't feel appreciated because some of his assistant managers and those other people, I'm sure, had to come in and just do double, triple duty at times. You know, it's, it's, but the, to make, to keep that business going, you as the owner have to do what you got to do. And you and I both know that from being entrepreneurs or even owning a, owning a business out in the brick and mortar world, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I was able to acquire my other license on the property and casualty side um, because I always got asked, do you do auto and homeowners and renters? And I'm like, no, but I can give you somebody. And the current uh, company that I'm with, he came to me and said, do you want your PNC license? I'm like, not really. He goes, but I need somebody. I want somebody that has insurance business and insurance um, uh, experience 
to do this. So I went out last year in the beginning of 2020 and started studying. And again, the licensing part of it, I couldn't take the test every day. If I would have flunked it, I could have taken it the next day, back in the day when I got my life and health license. But with COVID, they weren't allowed to have as many you know, areas open to take the test. So it was, it, yeah. But again, it was a good thing. You know, there's, there's, there's the good and bad and everything and you got to make the best of what you got. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You absolutely do have to make the best of what you got. Um, Vicky, any, any parting words, any parting words of advice? Actually, you know what? Let's not even, let's keep going. Let's, let's okay. keep pushing through. Let's see what we got. Um, just cause I'm having so much fun here. What if, what advice do you have for somebody who's just starting out right now? Obviously we touched on always look at the silver lining, right. but if you were to say, if you're, feet were held to the fire and you were saying, as Vicky, you have to give advice to an up and coming entrepreneur or somebody who wants to start their own business. What would that advice be? Uh, as far as being an entrepreneur, do, do the, do it the right way, go about it the right way, get some help, go to somebody that's been in their business by themselves for a while and maybe just get how they did it. You know, you've got to go through the state to get your license and to get your credentials in order to get the, the, the title for their business and make sure it's not taken by somebody else, but just to go through the steps the right way and to plan the right way. As far as being an entrepreneur, one of the biggest things, and I have a lot of friends that didn't do this or, or some that still maybe don't have two bank accounts, have one in the business name and have one in your name and separate those finances from your personal and your business finance. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible, incredible advice. I'll be the first to first to admit that. Um, how about one thing not to do when you're starting out? One thing not to do. Um, I would say, gee, Kyle, put me on the spot. Um, I would say- I, to, Hey, gotta, gotta throw the hard balls, Vicky. No, gotta I throw know. them. I would say to- <laughs> Don't take everybody else's advice. Follow your gut on some of the things that you're trying to do in whatever side hustle, you know, uh, going full force into a business, even if it's a brick and mortar business, you know, opening a franchise or whatever, but whatever your passion and your, your desires are for that business, listen to people, but then listen to what they say, but then go with what your gut says. I think that's a huge thing. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but. No, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's there, there's so much fear and trepidation when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's so easy to second guess yourself. And this is a lesson I had to learn. So I, I think you're, you're dead on. You are absolutely dead on Vicki. Um, you know, and I can liken it to imposter syndrome. Since, you know, that's the phrase of the, of the year phrase of the day. Right. Right. Um, but you know, I've had, very many times, especially early on, you know, am I making the right choice? Should I, is this what I should be doing? Is this what I should now? Luckily I have my wife who's a guiding light. Um, but if you let, if you hold yourself back, if you're not out there taking, if you're not out there taking action, you're, you're going to fail no matter what. Right. And I, I'm a firm believer in there is no such thing as, as failing in business. You either succeed or you learn. Um, but yeah, don't, I mean, the second guessing, what's the worst that can happen? I, I, everybody knows me that says, and I, I'm known for saying, no matter what you do in your professional life, 
you're still going to have your wife and kids. You're still going to have your husband and grandkids. You're still going to have all the family that loves you. You're still going to have your friends. You still have a home, right? So as long as those things are there and, and as long, and maybe that's not important to some people, maybe what's important to some people is something else. And that's completely fine. But as long as you have the things in your life that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for, you can never truly actually fail because those things aren't going to go away. No, that, that's yeah yeah and hey listen i i had to have that discussion with myself i, I really did especially early on and it, it was a big big turning point in my business um and you know you've been following me for quite a while um and you know you can kind of see when things you know when these little growth growth expansions and explosions happen um those those moments are when i don't second guess myself when I just go and do when I take action. So it's awesome that you brought that up. Thank you. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting it. Hit me. No, it's, it's, and it just, do you ever like wake up in the morning and you really don't want to do what you have to do that day for whatever reason, but you still know that in the back of your mind, you have to get up and do it because you know, it's the right thing to do. And it'll be better on the other side of that. All the time, almost every day. Uh, here's, so here's a, a big, a big thing, right? I'm going to toot my own horn here. And for listeners that, well, if, if anybody's followed me for more than a flipping day, you know, I love talking about myself sometimes. Um, I had a moment, actually a period, um, where I had my first six figure month. I mean, say over six figures in one month. And I was like, oh my God, I, I hit my goal. I always wanted to make a sick, have a six figure month. It was incredible. Um, and then something happened the next day and I was like, well, I hit my goal. Now what, mm -hmm. you know, do I continue doing this? Or, yeah. Well, I mean, the answer obviously is yes. Um, but I was like, I'm going to take my foot off the gas. I'm going to, I'm going to back it up a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to start taking some downtime. Um, and some interesting things happened when I took that downtime. One, I got much closer with my family again, and that was a huge wake up for me because I was like, you know how to do this and spend time with your family. You need to get back to that. Um, but I would often be like, well, my, my, I'm already booking out for 2023. Like it's, it, that's how good things are going right now. So I very well, Vicky have days where I wake up and I'm just like, I'm going to play PlayStation five with my kid for all day long. I'm going to, I'm going to get some housework done. I'm going to go take an extra walk or, or whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, but I did that so much that I, I had this, this aha moment, like, Hey, you, it's still your job to grow. You know, you set out to make this impact. So you have to do it. You have to post regularly. You have to write the blogs. You have to close more deals. You have to make more videos. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I do absolutely have moments where do I absolutely need to do these things? No, I do not need to do these things, but I want to do these things. Exactly. And that's right. the key word. You want to do it. I, um, I felt the same way. And I thought maybe I was the only one that felt that way. That's why I decided to ask you that question because I've got some things sitting here that should have been done last week and I haven't done them. And I'm just like, and I'll get to them when I get to them. But Things have changed for me. I'm, I'm um, just little things that I'm changing. But again, you said making that impact and getting out there and keeping on it. 
you know, I didn't post all weekend yeah. except on, did I post Sunday? I didn't post like Saturday because I was with my grandson and we took pictures and stuff and I posted it out there Sunday night or whatever. And it was like, I missed a day of posting. Oh my God, the world's going to come to an end. It didn't, it didn't come <laughs> to an end. But you know, when you're used to doing something consistently in your routine of the day, it doesn't happen. And then it, then you wonder why, you know, but again, it, it throws you off. Gotta take a step back. I started, yeah. I, I, I work at night because then nothing's open. Clients don't call me and I can catch up on the paperwork. And that's the worst part. But um, I have a virtual assistant and she's just, she's wonderful. Yeah. And I didn't have that. You need those things. I just hired her in January. Good, good. I'm glad that's going well for you. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you can be like me and you wake up every, seems like flipping week and there's a new Facebook ban that I've managed to pull off getting. Um, it, like, like it's, it's all from, st and, and listen, for those that are out there, Vicky and I have known each other for a little bit. She's been following me for a while. Um, I don't post anything inflammatory or, or anything like that. I may drop an F-bomb here and there. Um, but like, I'm, I try to exude positivity. I try to exude, try you know, ex exactly. You know, I try to represent what winning looks like to me at all times. And that's important to me because I've had people that have reached out to me and said, you may not think it, but I wake up and I read your posts every single morning to get my mm -hmm. day started because you're so uplifting, you're so real and you're so inspirational and your posts are making such an impact on so many people you have no idea um so when i i get notified from facebook that i've got a ban for an al bundy gift that i posted last year during football season it, it's like like you got to be shitting me like, like are you serious that happened twice this year for the same gift that i posted almost a complete year ago um <laughs> And, and it was like that, right? It forced me to take some time away. It was only like a day, two days, but it's, it's weird. But I, I think you brought up a good point. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to go, you know, above and beyond. Once you master scheduling and you really start living and dying by the calendar and you make sure you treat yourself and your, your people around you, right? Right. Everything will come. It will absolutely come. I've always so. said, if I get to a point where it's like, okay, all my cases are in, I don't have any new clients coming in the door. Why not? And I talked to a girl that um, is on my, she's my marketing, she's on the team that I deal with. And she, she says, just when you say you don't have anybody, it all just comes flowing in. And it's true. It's so true. It's like, yeah. okay. And now six people or three people last week said, well, you run my quotes. Sure. And they're still sitting there. It takes 10 minutes. <laughs> it's but those 10 listen, minutes sometime or a lot of time, you know, I, all of my clients live and die by the calendar, live and die. If, if it is not on the calendar, it does not get done. And if it is not in that exact specific block in the calendar, mm -hmm. it's going to wait or it's going to, you know, go earlier. But it's, I, I, that is one of the best pieces of advice I can give anybody. Oh, no, I um, agree. I mean, everything. And I always, I always schedule time with my wife first. I'll schedule time with the kids that goes on before anything else goes on my calendar ever. And it always will. Um, it also provides me a hard stop time for work. 
Yes. And that is so, so crucial. Like you, you prefer working in evenings and nighttime. 4.30, 5 o'clock, I try to be done. Now, obviously, stuff happens, right? Sometimes clients have emergencies. Sometimes stuff has to get done. I'm right. doing, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing magazine interviews all the time to where I have to respond and have the interviews and in the evening time. Um, but I do my best to stick to those, you know, scheduling time for myself and my family first. And that, that makes a world of difference because when you take care of yourself, you have, it, your business is going to be great. Great. That's true. That's true. I started doing that about the beginning of the year. I made a, a, a goal for myself that one of them was to take more time out for me. That me time is important. Um, and to just do what I wanted to do. And, and I have, and it's, it's paid off in a way, but again, I still have, it's a long goal. It's not something that's going to happen in 60 days that we've had so far in 2022, but again. Yeah. I love it. I All right. Too. Well, Vicki, I think, I think we can, we can uh, say goodbye to our listeners and our audience. I appreciate you immensely being a part of this show. So thank you very, very, very much, Vicki. Any parting words? Uh, just thank you for having me. It was an honor and it was awesome talking to you. And I think we touched base on a lot of subjects that we didn't plan on but it was awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll be seeing you again on the podcast. I'm this sure. is a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week on Slaying the Sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale. <laughs>